0: Read with me, if you will, please. Read. We know that we've come to know him if we keep his commands. Someone asked me this morning, what was it like? Now, many of you don't even know who I am. I pastored this year, this church, two centuries ago. Um, Actually, how many years ago? 44, 44, 45 years ago. (laughs) I haven't changed. You have, but I haven't. (laughs) Anyhow, and... And someone asked me, what, what was it like then? Well, I, I will tell you, one of the things it was like, there was a, a lot of your culture, the, the roots of this church that moved in to town, and you understood obedience. You understood obedience. That's one of the big things that's prominent. Anyhow, we don't have time to talk about that. Here we go. Whoever says, read with me, whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar... And the truth is not in that person. Pretty heavy words, isn't it? That is scripture, you know. We've pretty well written it off in a lot of American churches, especially Protestant types. But there it is. Let's go on. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Here's how we know. Here's one of those assurance verses coming up. Here's how you know you're a Christian. You're born again. You're in the family of God. Here's how we know we're in him. Read it with me. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. I know other verses of scripture, believe it or not. (coughs) But we've so ignored this That I felt as we were looking toward the beginning of a new year, we needed to revisit something I want to talk with you about this morning. Okay? Is that true or false? True. Okay. I remind you this is not a guilt trip, this is not a shame based stuff. Man looks on the outward appearance, thus, we look at performance. God sees your heart. And don't kid yourself, he really does. Again, people used to say to me after I'd been in a church 10 years, they'd say, well, pastor, God knows my heart. And I'd say, you're not kidding. (laughs) We play games. We don't want to. But inadvertently, we do. Very important that we be authentic. Amen? Amen? Very important. Jesus, thank you for your presence here. You are with us. You will speak through scripture or directly by your spirit or even through donkeys. You still do. Amen? Amen. 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 Thank you. Be seated. So quick review if if that's possible. Last time I talked with you, I gave you a new word which I'm sure you all were thrilled with and remember. Actually kind of do it to get your attention a little bit, but it's, it's deeper than that. I talked to you about the word becoming flesh, and I really called us to understand that because we're called to walk as Jesus walked, there's absolutely every, every biblical and every logical and every psychological rec- realization that we are empowered, it is possible for us to walk as Jesus walked. So I give you a new word, I want to review it just for a moment. When the Word became flesh, what happened is the truth, the Word, the Spirit, the concept, the idea was materialized. It became matter. It was stuff you could see and hear. And so God, Spirit, became flesh. Everybody okay with that? And let me try to... Share with you how that works. Jesus never, ever, ever walked the way lost people live. Lost people live like this. Oh, is is it Brian? Oh, it is Brian. Okay. Once out of ten times, I guess right. Jesus never lived the way we live as lost persons, unredeemed, unregenerate persons. People said things and did things to Jesus, didn't they? And Jesus never pushed back. He didn't ever live horizontally. Does anybody remember me talking about this? A little bit? Some of you? Okay. I'm just reviewing on purpose. He didn't ever live horizontally. But Jesus, who never said anything or did anything or even concluded anything on his own, independently of his father, Jesus always looked listened, and then before he said or did or even judged, he went vertical. He pushed up because he knew his Father was with him. Jesus was dwelt by the Holy Spirit. If we had time to talk about the Holy Spirit, you'd see that Jesus didn't do anything or say anything on his own. He was always led by the Spirit, and faithful is He who calls you, who will do it. What Jesus was led to do, He was empowered to do, and so Jesus didn't live horizontally; He lived vertically. Everybody say it. If you'll say it real loud, I won't have to review it too much. Uh, that's better. Okay, got one vote. All right. See, Jesus lived vertically, which means He was here. He looked. He listened. But before he spoke, or before he acted, or before he even judged, he tested with his father. Father, you are greater than me. I am dependent on you. My faith is in you. I depend on you. Before Jesus spoke or acted, he was led by the spirit it was not an imposed or a coerced jesus had a choice he was tempted every he was he was not forced to obey but he demonstrated to us how we're called to live and that is by a new Presence. We are not our own. We've been bought with a price. We're to honor God in our bodies. Christ in us is the hope of glory. And so if you are born from above, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, who has come to enable you to live as Jesus lived, to walk as Jesus walked. Jesus did never live horizontally. He lived vertically, which means before he responded to people, he went vertical, and then he gave back. Both the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit. The character, the righteousness, the holiness, the kindness, the goodness, and the power, the healing, the delivering. He gave that. Always he was a representative. He came that we might know the Father. He always represented the Father. And so you might know it. He said, there's a sneak thing coming up. I'm going to go away. But I'm going to send my spirit. And it's better that I go away. Because if I go away, then I'll send the spirit. If I don't go away, I won't send the spirit. So then he went away and gave to us the very same spirit who came to dwell in him. Jesus was not only indwelt by the spirit, but he was full of the spirit. Which basically means he was emptied of himself. That's what that means. He was emptied of himself. And then he was led by the spirit and empowered by the spirit. So... The word became flesh means that the concept, the idea, the think theory, the mathematical idea, the theory became in flesh, became materialized. So, and I don't have time to go over all this, but Jesus truly did empty himself of his positions and power. He, he never used divine power to do what he did, to say, what, to know what he, he emptied himself of everything, including Love. Whether and I don't want to get into theological issues, whether he left it behind and the emptying was of all of that, or he had it but would never use it—I have a strong opinion about that. Doesn't matter what my opinion is, but Jesus emptied Himself of His prerogatives, God, and He was like us in every way. That's a lot of theology, but He came like us in every way, and He was tempted in all ways, just like you are. More so, none of us have been tempted in every way. Jesus was. Everybody clear? It's a big deal how Jesus lived his life, and he calls us to walk as he walked. So, truly, I don't have time to try to persuade you, but we are called to live zongla. That is, we are called to be led by the Spirit, no longer to walk by the flesh. Aren't you glad God sees your heart? Amen. Come on, church. That was kind of wimpy. You better be glad, because your life is kind of... You better be glad that God knows your intent. And he does know it. See, Aren't you glad you're saved by grace? See, But called to be holy. Called to be like Jesus. Called to do what Jesus did. Called in everything to be like Christ. Fair enough? So that's the review. I actually did that in about 40 minutes less than I thought I could. Because <laughs> usually, oh, that's so important. Okay. So. Now, how many kind of tracking with me? Anybody awake? I mean, does this make sense? I didn't explain it very, you know, in great detail. We are literally, we are to be the Word. Are we indwelt by the Word? Is the Holy Spirit the Word of God? Okay. Is Jesus the Word of God? Okay, Christ in us. We are potentially to say and do the words and the works of the living God, thus to be very different. Weird. Everybody say it. We're weird. We are to be supernaturally enabled. The problem is, it's not coerced. I doubt that God will ever force you to be holy. But he came to dwell in you to make it possible for you to not only be saved, but to live a different kind of life that others can see. And when I talk about being saved, I'm not talking about going to heaven, though that's included in the package. If, if we follow Jesus, if we let him lead. If we don't let him lead, we're still God. How many kings are there going to be in heaven? Huh? Uno? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if you're still calling the shots, you're still the king. Whoever makes the decision is the Lord. Are you glad you came? Are you, uh, You're not real happy. Uh, this, if, you'll, if you'll grasp this and live it, Jesus will save your life. Okay, got to get going. So how, I mean, that's nuts. I mean, I mean come on. Okay. Jesus was like us in every way, tempted in all ways, left his powers behind, never used divine powers to be holy, to be good, to be powerful. He never did it on his own. How? How could he be so sensitive to his Father? My Father's always with me. Remember? My Father's always with me. He would never do anything on his own. He was always aware of the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Hear my words, you've heard the words of the Father. Right? Jesus said all those things. So, how? I mean, I see a bird fly by and I forget Jesus. You got it? Uh, how could he be so sensitive? I mean, I committed to being sensitive to Debbie and I can see her and I can hear her and I still forget her. Not as much as I used to. But I'm getting better. She's helping me. I mean, over you know, it'll take time. But... But I can't see Jesus, and, and I, I know I hear him, but I don't recognize. How, how could Jesus be so sensitive to his Father? Are you asking the question? It's a big deal before you say anything to test it with someone else. That's called reacting. Jesus never reacted. He always acted as a follower, Jesus never led. He always followed. you got to be kidding. How? Is everybody aware this is a big problem? How could he be so sensitive? I have an opinion. Can't prove it. I'm going to give you my opinion today. I'll let you test it. How much are we to test? Test everything. Oh, how many thoughts are we to bring captive? All of them. That's a lot of relationship. Uh-huh, that's what I'm saying Jesus had. What does it mean to walk by faith in God? Well, it means you find out his perspective before you say and do stuff. Because you trust him, you no longer trust yourself. you got to be kidding. hmm And in case I forget to really make the point later, let me make it now and I'll repeat it probably later. You, unless you're extremely unusual, will never walk as a biblical Christian if you don't have a few comrades who hold the same values. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm never going to lead. I'm going to be led by the Spirit, not walk by the flesh. I'm going to walk as Jesus. If you don't have a few comrades who have those same values that you meet together, and you keep talking about what it is to be a follower of Jesus, you keep talking about denying yourself, taking up your cross, and, and you keep praying for each other and talking about specific ways to implement, and you're accountable to each other for your walk with God, and you talk about you. If you don't have a church, a few comrades, equally committed, it'd be really, really difficult to sustain on your own. We really need each other. But we don't need each other to be living like lost people do. Which is to do whatever they think and feel. I mean, lost people do a few good things, don't they? And, and, and lost people are pretty well committed not to doing all of the bad things. You know. You really need a church. It's crystal clear. And by church... I, I don't automatically mean this. I mean two or three gathered in Jesus' name where we talk about Jesus, we think about Jesus, we put our faith in Jesus, we help each other walk as Jesus walked. Two or three would be great. Cool, let me get going here. So how, how is it? Well, a few verses of Scripture. Remember, I'm not sure this is the answer to the question. I kind of think it is. Pretty sure. Here he goes. Very early in the morning. Now, very early. Early is six o'clock. Very early is four o'clock, right? <laughs> yeah, you know. Okay. So, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, no street lights, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Very early. Huh? Jesus denied himself. To get away from people, away from sleep, away from food, to spend time with his father. He did push-ups. I, I, I imagine that, that Jesus probably understood <laughs> that he wasn't sent here as a spy to get up early in the morning and go report to his father everything that was wrong on planet Earth. Have you ever listened to some of our prayers? Oh God, and then we tell God all everything about everything that's going on because He doesn't know, but He's glad He's got us. Because no, no, I think Jesus probably understood something bigger and better and beyond that in prayer. But it's crazy. He denied it. I mean, Jesus, the Jesus that you and I claim to be our God, who we understand like no one else, He lived like no one lived. But one of the sneaky things he did, no one else knew about it hardly except the people he told, he got up early. I mean, he, 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 didn't, he didn't cheat on his day job. I mean, Jesus was pretty busy when you think about it. I mean, you know, he, he, he didn't come to condemn the world, but that the whole world through him might be saved. Right? I mean, he kind of had a Messiah complex. He thought he was here to save everybody. Would you say Jesus was probably busier than you are? Huh? What do you think? But Jesus got up very early. Whoa. And guess what? He didn't do it just once, he often withdrew. He often got away, ran away from the noise, the crowd, the pressure. The disciples said, "God, oh, everybody's wondering." No, no, no. Let's be going. Jesus, Jesus seemed to think that prayer was kind of important. Let me remind you, he prayed continually because when he was hanging out with Debbie, he looked and listened, but he didn't leave his father out. He didn't treat the father as if the father wasn't there or didn't matter. He was aware of his father, and so before he said anything back to Debbie, he had a real quick little push-up. Verta pushed up, and he prayed all the time. And I'm saying, how how did he get such spiritual muscle? Does it help if I scream? I I learned that in seminary. They told me that. I don't mean to. How did Jesus get so... So much spiritual. How did he get so strong? Well, I think he went to the gym. I mean, the real gym. These are push-ups. This is not a push-up. That's a push-down. These are push-ups. He went to the gym very early. And he worked on his relationship. The one thing that matters. Martha, Martha, you're troubled about many things. Mary's picked the one thing. She's sitting at Jesus' feet doing what Jesus did in private. Jesus was pushing up. See? I kind of think, can't be sure, but I think he pushed up so much in private that when he got with people, he, was running. He, he had some spiritual muscles so when things were going as they went, he didn't forget the Father because he often pushed up. It helped him. Because he was tempted in every way like you and I are, yet without sin. He did never commit the real, the essence of sin. S- we, we make sin such superficial stuff. We, we have sin stuff like eating apples. You know what I mean, Adam and Eve stuff. No, sin is always ignoring God. Sin is just leaving God out. Sin is me treating God as if he's not that important. Or maybe doesn't even exist. Or doesn't understand, or I don't need him. Ignoring God. It's a relational issue. Everybody clear? Sin's a relationship before it's a, fi- before it's a tangible heir. So he often withdraws to lonely places. One of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying. I can hear his mother right now. Son, you're going to get pneumonia. You need to take care of yourself. Can you hear Mary saying that? Jesus didn't use any sense at all. He just spent a lot of time with his father. I wonder if he was pretty sharp. Do you think maybe he knew what he was doing? Do you think maybe when he said, come to me, learn of me, if you want to live my kind of life, you're going to have to learn to live my kind of life. See, we're too busy to pray because we've got more important things to do. We're too busy to listen, to commune. It's a hassle for us, except for the old people. They've got it figured out, but they, they have their hour, and they check off that they've read so many books books and prayed through their list and they weren't even aware of God. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the Nazarenes up the street. I love talking to groups that aren't Nazarene. Are You tracking with me? How did Jesus live? Well, the first priority of his life seemed to be that he often withdrew to lonely places to do push-ups. This next one's an hour-long story. I'm going to skip it. The point is that Jesus stayed up all night praying again. Another time. We have record of it. Let me have Debbie come and tell you a little story about prayer.
1: So do you remember when, um, well no, let me just start again. <laughs> Stephanie was only 11 when she heard there was a work and witness team that were going to Australia. And she said, Daddy, Daddy, can I go? And he said, honey, that cost $3,000. Oh, but daddy, I think Jesus wants me to go. Well, if you could come up with the $3,000, then you can go. Well, she knew the right people to call, and pretty soon she was on the team. Now, the plan was they were going to go down to Australia and be on a university campus, and they were going to talk to the students about Jesus. But when they got there, they found that they had just elected a new student body president that was an atheist, and she said there will be no Christian activity on this campus. I mean, these people had paid thousands of dollars to get there. So they went to a room, and they began to pray. Oh, except Stephanie. She went up to the student body officer's office and knocked on the door and said, Hi, my name's Stephanie. I'm here from America. Uh, And I'm going to be praying that you give your life to Jesus. Oh, and I'm not going back to America until you do. Bye. (laughs) And she went back to the room and began to pray. Well, they prayed all through Monday. They prayed all through Tuesday. Tuesday night, as she was praying, she began to wail. From deep inside, she called out to God for the salvation of this girl. I mean, she was so distraught. They, adults put their arm around her and tried to calm her down. I knew we shouldn't have brought the kid and, and just tried to calm her down. That went on from 7 to 11. At 11 o'clock, Stephanie was at peace. She had prayed through. Wednesday morning, there was a knock at the door. They opened the door, and there was a disheveled, hair a mess, student body president. She said, where is that little girl? I I haven't been able to eat. I haven't been able to sleep. I, I came here to give my life to Jesus. And they welcomed her in, and she made Jesus the king and lord of her life. And then she got up in front of the student body and she said, there's a group here from America. They've got a very important message for you. And if you want to hear what Jesus has done for me, I'll meet you in the cafeteria. You see, there was a little girl who heard the Holy Spirit, who listened and obeyed what the Holy Spirit said. And when she prayed, She prayed until she prayed through. And God took care of the rest. Amen and amen. May we be faithful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And prayer is much
0: more than intercession. Most of the time, intercession will be ineffective if there's not praise that generates faith. If there's not thanksgiving that generates faith. If there's not Bible study, that generates faith. Faith comes by the word, not just the written word, but the word who indwells us. Do my sheep hear my voice? And most people get discouraged in intercession because they don't realize that they're, they, they start logging in some time in praying. But they don't realize that they don't have because they ask for the wrong reasons. They don't realize that they're not asking according to God's will. They're asking according to their will. They don't realize that they're not walk, asking in faith. They're asking in hope and wish and desire. But they're not confident. They're not certain of what they hope for. And prayer is infinitely more than intercession. Prayer is communication. Everybody aware of that? See? and and it's who God is and what he's done and what he's saying and what he's calling us to without obedience there's not answers to prayer I can show you all kinds of places in scripture and so we've we ignore the components of scripture then we get upset with God for not answering our desperation foxhole prayers so we say well prayer doesn't matter oh yes it does every prayer matters but there are conditions I I'm not supposed to do a thing on prayer. But, but let me ask, what is Jesus doing right now? Does everybody know? Yes. It's called, He Ever Lives to Make Intercession. See, So right now, Jesus is appealing to the Father to release help on the planet. Every prayer matters. You'll be having a new pastor sometime soon. I hope that you'll be praying because God talks all the time. He talks not only to new pastors, he talks to congregations all the time. don't get to talk about the Holy Spirit today, but he does talk to us all the time. And I hope if when your new pastor comes, I hope, I pray that he'll care about prayer. And I hope, I pray that when he calls you to prayer meetings that you'll understand that's not just something that the 75-year-olds do on Wednesday night because they're bored or or they were told they ought to. I hope somehow you as a people and as individuals will come to terms with you were made for prayer, i.e. you were made for marriage, you were made for relationship, you were made to talk with God. And without God you can do nothing. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will bear fruit. Apart from me you can do And see, you signed up, you were single, but you got married to Christ. He came to live in your house, right? This is the temple, right? And he's there. But every time, I'm doing my own thing and not paying attention to him. I'm, I'm living just like lost people live. I'm not listening. I'm not following. I'm being the leader instead of the follower. See, prayer matters. But most of us need to get better at praying continually. How often are we to pray? Pray without ceasing. Everybody where well, Nice verses and nice to preach about, but that's our problem. We're hearers, not doers. We've got to quit being just hearers, but we've got to be doers. That's why I say you'll probably not get this done if you don't have two or three that gather. It can be 100 or 200. That's fine. But we need people who have common values, which is Jesus is my life. When Christ, who is your life? He is my life i've been crucified with Christ. everything else i 'm dead to the world now i 'm alive unto God that's he is my vision fixing your eyes on Christ. everybody wake with me? See Jesus is a big deal he's not a piece of the pie of your life he's not d- didn't come just to die. he died to be sure to throw open the gates so that you could have relationship it's called prayer and And until somehow prayer becomes big to us, and I'm not talking about checking off a box, I'm talking about being aware that I'm listening to God, I'm talking to God, He's listening to me, what I'm thinking, what I'm saying is affecting Him right now, and He's speaking, until we do prayer better and more, we'll continue to look mostly like lost people live and the world isn't interested in our message. They want to see our life. When there's someone who has peace and joy and faith and love and compassion and integrity and character, and they're walking around in the stores and they're walking around in families and people see the difference, they see that we're weird in a really good way. Everybody loves what Jesus is. The problem is Jesus come to dwell in his church, but he doesn't force his way through. He's in us, but he came to live through us, just like the Father was in him. And he came to reveal the Father by doing nothing apart from the Father. Everybody awake? It's big. Your life matters in ways that we don't get, typically. So, Jesus right now is praying. I'm going to hurry through this. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him. That's weird. Unless he said to his disciples, Come on. Did you know the only thing that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them about? Lord, teach us to pray. That's the only time they... So Jesus took his disciples with him. And then I think he kind of just forgot about them and focused on the Father. So he was praying. It was just Father and him. The disciples were sitting there watching. Hmm. He was discipling them in life's primary issue, communication with God. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him, and they went up onto a mountain. You have to walk a long ways in Jerusalem to find a mountain. (laughs) How about anyhow that? To pray. It was a big deal. He He took his main guys. It's kind of what I was saying to us about we need to pray together. Together. Many people, I'd like to tell you a bunch of stories. Many people can't pray because they have not practiced. And they've been afraid to practice because they couldn't do it as well as others. We have to train people. Jesus didn't just teach his disciples to pray. He trained them to pray. So we intentionally have a book titled Disciple by Jesus, which is coaching people how to meet together in groups so they can get better at praying in groups so they can do it on their own so they can do it all day long. Each evening, he went out to spend the night on the hill called the Mount of Olives. And this obviously isn't all of Jesus' life. When he's, I mean, donkeys don't trot at 60 miles an hour. I mean, so when he was in Jerusalem or in the area, he went out to spend the night on the hill called the Mount of Olives. Okay? Do you have any idea what he did? This is a setup. I'm not talking about loving your enemies today. I'm talking about prayer. Do you have any idea what Jesus did? He went, as usual, to Mount of Olives all night long often and prayed. So if we're going to walk as Jesus walked, and we are, that's what we're called to, we're not our own. He is our life, right? We're going to, we're going to have to... Do you know what I mean by this? Push up. Push up. Push. It's our gym. It's the Christian's gym. <laughs> Timothy, and Paul talks about it. Timothy, he says, ah, physical exercise is fine, but what really matters is this. See? I think I'll finish with a personal story. It's tied to all of this. If if you, I'm not asking if you agree with me, but if so far if you've understood what I've said, how Jesus lived his life, that we're called to follow Jesus, we're called to walk as he walked, we're called to be like him, my disciples will be like me, okay? Called to be holy as he was holy, called to do what he did. If If you Kind of understand, may not agree, but kind of understand what I've said so far. Just nod, just nod. It's not—it's not rocket science, is it? It's, it's comprehensible. Okay, let me tell you a story. Um, it's been. It happened before I was your pastor the first time. I'm not, I mean, first time I came. My first coming. I'm in trouble now. Erase, shut off the tape. Yay. Yeah. What I'm going to tell you happened after I, when I was a math teacher and a coach. A long time ago. So, this story, you're familiar with it. Jesus, as he got closer and closer to the cross, he started talking more and more about the cross. As a man thinks, so is he. And so Jesus didn't talk about his death and resurrection too much right off the bat, but he started talking about it more and more because the closer Jesus got to the cross, the more he was aware of it. And he he comes right up next to Jesus the cross and it's what we call Monday, Thursday. It's what we call the Passover meal that Jesus had with his disciples, and that's the context of this story. So he meets with them and and he says, This is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you and, and okay. And he's explaining the cross and that he is the Lamb of God and they're they're doing all that together. And 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 so they're having that moment and then they sang a hymn and then Jesus said come now let us be going now i'm going to put matthew mark luke and john all together in this story so he said come now let us be going so they left where they had the passover meal where Jesus introduced himself as the passover lamb and and they started walking out and and Jesus' disciples had, had argued with him. Peter said, Lord, Lord, no, no, no. And Jesus called him, no, get behind me, Satan. I mean, they'd had discussions about it, but now he's really na- nailing it. And so he's heading out, and Jesus is thinking about the cross. It's coming right now. It's, it's on him. He's thinking about the cross. He says, come now, let us be going. So they start walking out to this place right here, to the Mount of Olives. They start walking. And, and and the 11 are behind Jesus, P- Judas is gone, and so they're walking, and all of a sudden Jesus stops, and he says, no, 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 stay here and pray. Jesus needed his church to pray for him. Incidentally, your new pastor will need you to pray for him. I guarantee it. So he said, guys, pray. And so then he went a little further, and then he... Then he turned around and he, he goes back and he says, no, 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 Pete, James, John, you come with me. And the other eight are going, ha, huh? what? And we, we start, and we stop, and now you come. And Jesus goes on with Pete, James, and John. They walk a little further. And Jesus stops again because he's thinking about the cross. It's dominating. It's all he can see. And he says, no, you guys stay here. And they say, K-k-k-k. They'd accuse Jesus of changing his mind. I mean, you know, a terrible thing. And so there he's going along, and he says, No, you guys stay here. And then Jesus goes off further, gets by himself. And you know the story. He prays, it's not average. He's about to go to the cross. And so, he, he gets there, and he falls on his face, and he sweats blood, right? right? Now, a few years ago, I would say, well, Jesus, the Scripture says, some translations say his sweat was blood, and others say his sweat was like blood, and so I try to be biblically accurate, and, and one night after I preached, a doctor came up to me a medical doctor, and he said you do know, don't you that when the human body mind gets under enough stress the blood vessels nearest the skin will burst from the pressure of the the stress, and the blood will escape the easiest way possible which is through the sweat glands, and it looks like you're sweating blood there's a name for it, technical name, I've forgotten it. I, I don't ever again say a sweat was like blood. I just say what the Bible says, sweat was blood. I've never been under that much stress. Have you? Have you ever sweat blood? I haven't met anyone yet who has told me that they've sweat blood. Jesus did. And almost certainly it's because of the stress And I'd like to unpack that. I won't take time. But all the stressors in his life, including maybe, 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 just maybe, Jesus was anticipating what was going to happen through the whole cross event. And maybe, just maybe, Jesus was saying, I've been faithful to this point, but under that kind of stress and pressure? I don't know. I'm making that up. Who knows what it's like to be tempted in all ways? So, the bottom line is, we know that Jesus got to this place by himself, and he falls on his face, and he's sweating blood. It's a big deal. And so there he is, and he prays. We know his prayer. He cries out, Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me. Don't have time to unpack this either, but but Jesus didn't want to go to the cross right then. Would you agree? I mean, I mean, that... I I, I probably shouldn't say it this way, but when he said, Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me, you know what he's really saying? Father, can we abort the mission? There was much more Jesus did than die on a cross, but at the very heart of the cross was the reality that he came to make relationship with God possible for every person on the planet, and if Jesus, who had not gone to the cross, we would be on our own by our own righteousness, to earn relationship with God. Everybody clear? So it was was pretty much him saying, can we abort the mission? He was crying out. (laughs) This was no cheap... I, I can't imagine Jesus saying that. But he did. We don't know all that he said in that hour, but we do know this... He prayed for an hour, he's sweating blood, he's crying out to change what you've called me to do, and he didn't pray through. He didn't get through. So he goes back to Pete, James, and John. Come on, guys. Remember? There's a whole story there. Then he goes back, and he prays another hour. Same thing. We have record of it. Cries out again, Father, if it be possible... Another hour, he he didn't pray through. So he goes back. Third time. Pete, James, John. They're asleep. I wonder how many times he knocks at the door. We're asleep. Because we got stuff to do. He goes back. We have no record of what happened the third hour. All we know is that he didn't pray through. He went back to the disciples. They're asleep. He comes back. Same issues until an hour later he walked out of the garden with victory. That's what we know. Something happened. The Bible doesn't record it. You'll have to decide if I'm nuts. Some of you are already wondering, I want to tell you an experience I had. I was a teacher and a coach, been asked to teach a Sunday school class. It's near Easter, so I decided to talk about this story that I'm telling you. And when I got to the silent hour, the third hour, that Scripture doesn't record anything that Jesus said or did, I was looking at it, and I was meditating, and I had a very, very unusual experience. You test it. I can tell you the fruit is good. My life has been changed almost totally. I'm there meditating on the fact that Scripture doesn't say anything about the third hour. And all of a sudden, I see Jesus. I didn't on purpose make it up. I didn't try. I just saw him on the ground in a clump, face down, blood having gotten into the ground. So now the ground has turned into blood mud, and it's on his face. I didn't plan it. I just saw it, and Jesus is there, and as I see him, and it happened in quickly, but it takes me a while to tell it, but as I saw him there, simultaneously, I heard, son, son. I'm hearing that. I'm seeing Jesus, and then in what I'm seeing that I didn't try to make up, Jesus Pulls his head up and looks up, and now I see his face covered with blood mud. His eyes are almost mudded into just can't even see. It's like little tiny slits, and he looks up, and I hear, "Son," he looks up, and I hear, "Do you know how much I love you?" And Jesus looks up, and his eyes starting to widen, widen, get a little wider. And, and he says, I've heard your request. I heard you the first time. You couldn't hear me. I've been talking to you. Your heart, you're troubled. You're deeply troubled. You couldn't hear my voice. But I've been speaking to you. Jesus' eyes got wider. Seeing it dawned on me. He got quiet. He was chattering. Then he got quiet. Then I heard, thought, everything in me wants to answer your prayer. I want to scoop you out. You've been perfect. I, I love you. I love everyone, but I'm pleased with you. You have done nothing but bring me pleasure because you lived as I created man to live with confidence in me instead of relying on their own understanding. You have brought me into everything. I am so pleased and you you are, you, you just have no idea my joy in you. I'm hearing this and I'm seeing Jesus. His eyes are getting wider and wider. He's coming to life. He's changed in his countenance. No longer is the cross here. It, it, he, he's seeing the Father now. He's looking up at the Father. He's seeing the Father and he's coming to life and the Father says, and, and, and I will deliver you if you want, but before I do, I, I want to give you some perspective. I want to I want you to hear some things. And the father said to him, if you lay down your life, it will be of your own accord. You don't have, you don't have to do this. I knew that from the Bible, but it, it got into me. If you lay down your life, it'll be of your own accord. I'm not making you. But, but let me tell you, before you settle your decision." I love Abraham and I love Moses. I love Noah, and I love Peter and James and John. I love Judas and Pilate and Herod, and I love P- and and I love them. I'm not pleased with them because they've been independent, they've been arrogant, they've done their own thing, they've treated me as if I didn't matter. They, they've all sinned. I love them, but I'm not pleased with the fact that they haven't lived out the way I made them to live. And you're the one who's done it. And, and before you make up your mind, I want to tell you, you're just an inch from the cross. You've lived you've lived this way. You've fought against the flesh. You've denied yourself. You've taken up your cross. You have faith in me instead of putting your faith in yourself. You've lived this thing out the way it was intended to be. And, and you're an inch away from being the Lamb of God. And, and if you'll just, if you, I'll be with you. If you'll just, if you'll just go I'll promise not to leave you. Jesus looked up at the Father, and now his eyes are gleaming. Something's happened. It's like the truth setting him free. And and he looks back in compassion. As he looks back down, I see him looking at Moses, and and I just see compassion in his eyes. And suddenly, confidence in his Father and compassion for people. He's different. And he stands up, and, and he says, come now. Let us be going. And he makes his way to the cross. He set his face like flint and he drug his disciples with him and off they went. He was brand new. He went from despair to hope, from doubt to faith, from fear. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He didn't have the joy when he went into the garden. What happened? Just a little talk with Father. A a horrific three hour talk. He had to get this stuff out. (laughs) You awake? It was work because he'd gotten so much in. He didn't ever ignore the Father, but he was tempted. But he went to a place to get it sorted. And he got it sorted. And as you... As you get ready to start a new year... We do it every year, don't we? So I shouldn't have wasted your time with this. Do you think maybe once again, yet again, we could say, the first priority of my life, I was made for God. I was made for relationship with God. And apart from Him, I can do nothing. So number one on my agenda is (sighs) (sighs) early in the morning, very early, or at noon or at night. It doesn't matter. (sighs) (sighs) And if you're at all discouraged or confused or upset about your family or your church, guess who the answer is? Well, it's Jesus. But He is here and He's at work. But really until Jesus becomes materialized, until the Word becomes flesh, we have nothing to be concerned about. It's me standing in the need of prayer. And if you're going to live vertically, if your kids and your grandkids, your neighbors, people in the church are to see Jesus coming through you, which is God's plan, you're probably going to have to get to the gym. For God's sake... He made you for a relationship. For others' sake, apart from me, you can do nothing. And for your sake, he'll save your life. I wish I could tell you stories how he saved our life. He'll save your life. He he didn't come just to give you a ticket to heaven. He came to give you abundant life. Now, different life, a life of light, of victory, of hope, of joy, of peace, of kindness, of goodness, of sharing, of, of serving. He came to make you like him. But he doesn't force it through you. He dwells in you. But if you don't work on this, it won't come through very much this way. And my final parting shot is this. If you don't have two or three, or four or five, or ten, that you meet with pretty regularly to review, are we to be led by the Spirit or walk by the flesh and led by the Spirit? Okay? How are we doing? We report we talk, we pray for each other, we review, we renew. Everything will pull you from the Spirit-led life, even the Spirit-filled life, because you'll be tempted to be selfish all your life and to do what you think and what you want. That doesn't go away. You just have help so that you can be more than conquer and deny yourself and take up your cross. So, a church... Your church can make a massive difference in your world. But I don't think you can without this or without this. And I don't think you'll do either of those if you don't find some comrades that you're crystal clear on where you're going, how to get there. But it's an uphill journey. It's a narrow way. But if you get some comrades... And be committed and accountable. You can do better this way, and then you'll do better this way. Amen?